0: Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The 25th of September, 2022. What a mighty God we serve. The salvation of God. Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Here, I had you do a sword drill. And that's when you take the sword of the Spirit, sitting in the pew beside you, and search it to find a particular passage. And it made my heart so glad all week to think of you all quickly rifling through the pages of the Bible. And I told you I'd probably make you do it again. And if you haven't figured it out, I think you might know where I'm going with this. Everybody grab a Bible, (laughs) hold it up over your head. I'm gonna call out a passage and then as fast as you can, find that passage in your Bible. And if you find it and you feel bold, stand up and read it loud for the whole church to hear. Okay. Are you ready? Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen through twenty. What if I then you've got us all beat. <laughs> and Jesus came and said to him, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Gez. Amen. All right. Now hide that word in your hearts that you might not sin against God. Last week, we started a three-week sermon series looking at the mighty God we serve. In summary, we talked about the love of God that fiercely protects that which is his, namely us, that both demands and deserves our faithfulness, and that conquers all, including the grave. Now, we cannot understand the incredible story of our faith without holding on to that fact because God so loved the world that he came not to condemn it but to save it through the work of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. Amen. So you can open your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 50 just like it says on your bookmarks. Starting in verse 15, but before we get to the text itself, you need the whole backstory. It's the story of Joseph. Not Joseph the pastor. Okay? It begins in chapter thirty seven of Genesis and it goes all the way to the end of the book. I recommend that you take the time to read it because it is an incredible example of God's redemptive love. I'm going to let the pages settle, and then we're going to go into the summary. Genesis chapter 50. All right. So Joseph, not Pastor Joseph, was one of Jacob's sons. This is the same Jacob that Pastor Joseph preached on uh, during the summer. Jacob, Joseph, not Pastor Joseph. There's a lot of J's to keep track of here. I understand. So we're talking about Joseph, not Pastor Joseph. Joseph was favored by his father Jacob. He was given a coat of many colors, and not only did Joseph find favor in the eyes of his father Jacob, but he found favor in the eyes of God. Joseph began dreaming dreams, dreams of his family bowing to him. Surprisingly, his family did not appreciate the idea of bowing down to their little brother, Lois. If Enoch starts uh, coming to you, saying he has dreams about you bowing down to him, you think you'd like that? <laughs> Maybe not. How about you, Janelle? You like it if Jorma starts uh, telling you he's been dreaming about you bowing down to him? <laughs> no? Laz? What if uh, Bus starts coming up to you and he says, hey, I keep having dreams and you got to bow down to me? You think you'd be into that? No. I see love grumpy faces. Turns out people don't like their little brothers telling them they have to bow down to them. <laughs> Surprising, right? So if, if, if your little brother started doing this, you might get so mad uh, that you get annoyed enough to do something unkind. Perhaps you would sit on your brother and say, who's bowing down to who now? I don't recommend that. Don't sit on your little brother's You hear me? (laughs) They bear the image of God. You got to respect them too. Yeah. Well, Joseph's older brothers do much more than that. They throw him into a pit. They convince their parents he was eaten by a fierce animal, maybe a lion or a wolf, and they sell him into slavery. Now I'm going to say it again for all of the siblings in the room. Joseph's brothers were not good examples of how to treat your little brother. Be kind to your little brothers, even when they frustrate you. Don't sit on your little brothers. They bear the image of God, and you don't want to sit on God or his children. Okay? Okay. Well, after all of this, Joseph is sold into slavery, goes to Egypt, He is sold to a man named Potiphar, and God's favor goes before Joseph in everything he does. So he works his way up to the top of the household, managing everything Potiphar has. And then I'm going to say something intense here, and I understand there are kids in the room, but I'm just going to call it out now. Kids have to deal with messy things and scary things, and the church does not back down from looking at messy things. Our God is big enough to handle it all, okay? So, Potiphar's wife, who has all of the power because Joseph is a slave in their household, tries to force herself upon him. This is a violent act. It is not okay. And it's important to note this because our bodies are sacred, We bear the image of God. Your neighbor bears the image of God, and what we do to the least of these, we do to God. Thank you. Sexual assault is a sin. Not only that, what Potiphar's wife does is she lies and says, actually, it was him who tried to do this to me, and that was a lie because the scriptures tell us so. So bearing false witness against your neighbor, that is also a sin. Lying about people is a sin. And it's important to note that the biblical narrative notes that even men can be victims of this particular kind of violence. So do not disregard the image of God in your neighbor, your brother, your sister, as to assault them. And definitely don't turn around and then bear false witness against them. And for the many of us in this room who have suffered this particular cruelty, know that just as Joseph is redeemed in the end, so too will there be justice, redemption, and healing for those who have suffered in secret and been left to blame. God will make all things known, and he will make all things new, which includes every part of our being, that has been mistreated or abused. Heavy, I know. Moving on, though, Joseph is then sent to prison because of Potiphar's wife's lies. There, Pharaoh's baker and cupbearer are also being held. Both have dreams that jo- Joseph interprets and he asks them to remember him. Fast forward. Pharaoh is having dreams, and nobody can interpret them, but the cupbearer remembers Joseph. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams, telling him of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, and is promoted to just below the king in rank, and establishes a system for saving grain in the seven years of plenty before the famine begins then the famine begins and its effects are felt even in Canaan where Joseph's brothers who had so terribly treated him were living they came to Egypt for food Joseph tricks them a few times because they don't recognize them don't recognize him they've changed though and they are repentant And in the end, they have a nice reunion, and Joseph's whole family is provided for by the grace of God through Joseph's supplies of grain in Egypt. Not just his family, but the nations find food in this great time of famine. Whew. Take a deep breath. We made it. We just summarized 13 chapters of the Bible. And here we come to Genesis chapter 50 verse 15, which as I waited for you all to open your Bibles, I did not open mine. But don't worry, I have a bookmark. Is it? Genesis, it's the first book of the Bible, thanks. All right, let's read. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pray us Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, your word is true. Teach us your ways. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, this story is not just some interesting account of the complexities of sibling relationships. It is not just the story of a brother able to make lemonade out of lemons. This is the sacred story of God and his faithfulness to his people. This here that we re- we read from these pages, this is the sharpened sword of the spirit and it should pierce our hearts. See, when Jacob passed away, Joseph's brothers became scared. They thought that surely the forgiveness and grace Joseph had shown was only because he honored his father and mother. They thought that surely he must still be holding on to every wrong they had committed against him. Surely he must be bitter and ready to seek his revenge for all the hardships he had to face at their hands and by their careless and unloving actions. And church, how often is this our story? We know that God promises forgiveness when we confess our sins. We say it every week here. God promises that Christ paid our debt and yet... We think of God like the children of Israel that we are. Surely God is overstating his forgiveness in the first instance. Surely he is ready to pounce and cut us off and punish us forever. We indeed are the ones who sent the beloved son of our father to suffer and die on that cross. We may not have physically stood in the crowd, but it's prideful to think we would have behaved differently than everyone else at the foot of that cross if we were in their shoes not knowing what we know now. And honestly, we are warned, do not take the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. Do not profane the blood of the beloved Son because Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is our only hope and he is our peace. But church... That's not how Joseph responded. He hasn't been freed to disown his brothers. His love was genuine. Joseph sees past what happened to the grace and the victory and the salvation on the other side of it. Joseph sees the hand of God's faithfulness, his commitment to care for his people and be their salvation long before trouble arises. Joseph has the joy of the Lord and it won't be taken from him no matter the circumstance. Hear me, church, because in this story of Joseph and in his response, we see a glimpse of the true Savior who is coming and the nature of his salvation, his forgiveness, and his kingdom. When the children of Israel fear for how they will now have to pay for their sins against their brother, the beloved son, Joseph, responds in verse 19. Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. See, church? Joseph, who is just one devout, godly person... In all humility, gives God the glory, even for his hardships. With eyes of faith, he sees God's faithfulness, despite every wicked human action taken against him. And with eyes of faith, he sees God, who saves his people, turn all that wickedness upside down and use it for good instead. Joseph spoke kindly to those who had treated him hatefully. Joseph comforted those who had before meant him harm. Where one might see his enemies, Joseph saw his brothers. And Joseph not only spoke with kindness and comfort, he promised them that he would take care of them and their little ones. Joseph glorified God despite every hardship. Church, we should learn from his example But not only does this story teach us how to understand the hardships and evil intentions that come our way. This is the story of God's faithfulness. This is the story of God himself. When you look at Joseph, you can see Jesus. See the revelation of God's love to his people. Because in Jesus, we find the fulfillment of the story of Joseph and the children of Israel. Because when Jesus, the beloved son, was sent to his suffering and death, when he was ridiculed, mocked, and mistreated, when we scoffed at the idea that we would bow our knee to this lowly son of man from Nazareth, he still spoke kindly. He still cried out, Father, forgive them. And every action of evil taken up against Christ, the son of God, was turned upside down, And instead, God used it to save his people. Even death, even death on a cross. Church, right before the end of my sabbatical, God gave me a dream as we talk about Joseph. In my dream, there was a young person from the church who had left the faith and joined a group of people who were practicing witchcraft. This is just a dream. The leader of the group insisted that this teenager prove that they had truly left the faith by poisoning me, their pastor, with an enchanted snake. The snake's venom was called a mother's tears because it was a quick and certain death, such to make a mother weep. In my dream, I was walking the streets of Iowa City, and this young person came up behind me, holding the snake's head with fangs stuck out. But the spirit had given me a divine knowledge, and just as they tried to pierce me with those poisonous fangs, I turned, and in the spirit with great authority, I rebuked the attack in the name of Jesus. And the fangs could only but graze my skin— But the snake quickly turned and bit the person trying to attack me. Paramedics were called, and the two of us were rushed to the hospital. The doctors didn't understand, because other than feeling a little sickly, I was not harmed, and I was certainly not dying. Then that young person's father came to me, weeping and pleading. My child is about to die from this poison. Please, pastor, come, pray. Quickly, I followed the father, and just as I had rebuked the poison, I rebuked it again that was moving through the veins of this young person in the name of Jesus with the same authority as the attack against my own self. Immediately, the poison was rendered harmless, and the young person was completely restored, and having been saved from the snake's poison, they heartily came back to the fellowship of the true faith. Church, I woke up from the stream with the interpretation planted firmly in my heart and mind. First, we have an authority in Christ and through Christ to rebuke the attacks of the enemy. Just like Jesus did when Satan met him in the wilderness, This Bible right here is our sword. And because Christ conquered the grave, we confidently say no weapon formed against us will prosper. Church, hear me. Because even if the weapons of this world seem to prosper against our bodies and seem to have the ultimate effect, even if we're laid to rest in our grave, We can be certain those weapons are still ineffective because God has the final word, and his final word is resurrection and life. In him, we will rise, and no scheme of the enemy will prosper. But more than that, and this is the heart, the heart of the dream, the heart of the story of Joseph, and the heart of the gospel itself. God doesn't just save me. God doesn't just save us because God has a way of turning the tables and saving the attackers, too. Not only that, but because we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, the very tools that Satan places in the hands of the people he is trying to draw away may just be the very tool God uses to call them home. Church, this is the gospel. This is the mighty power of God at work. It's that in Christ saving work, when the attacks come our way, we can stand firm. We can stare our enemy straight in the eye and say with all boldness, not only will my God save me, he's going to save you too. In the name of Jesus, amen. Because in Christ's victory on the cross, Even the hardest-hearted enemy may be in danger of finding salvation. Remember, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, church. We are a people of resurrection. Where there is death, we proclaim life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When attacks come, don't see your enemies. Look with eyes of faith and remember your brother's and sisters, and knowing this mighty gospel, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. So, with a bold and steady faith and a fire in your belly, church, when the enemy comes at us with intentions of death, we with all boldness and authority we have in Christ speak life in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. May the nations find the bread of life. And behold, Christ is with us always to the end of the age. Amen. I want to invite the worship team back up. Let's stand to our feet. If you have unforgiveness in your hearts, Be like Joseph. Forgive. Let's prepare ourselves to approach the communion table.